This is an irreverent podcast. Check out irreverent.fm for shows from all our friends. Hi, everyone, and welcome to Exvangelical, a show exploring the world inside and outside the evangelical subculture. I'm your host, Blake Chastain. My guests this week are Lauren O'Neill and Nico Bakulich from the podcast Sunday School Dropouts. On their show, they're reading through every book of the Bible for the first time, but it is, it is decidedly not your average Bible study podcast. To use a bit of Christianese, we talk about their journeys, as well as what led them to start a podcast about the Bible to begin with. We also come up with some solid band names along the way. As always, you can help the show by rating and reviewing the show on iTunes. You can follow the show across the internet. We're on Twitter and Instagram at Pod and on Facebook at facebook.com slash exvangelicalpod. You can also find me on Twitter at brchastain. You can also support the show via Patreon at patreon.com slash exvangelicalpod. All right, let's get into it. Hello, everybody, and welcome back to Exvangelical. I have with me this week Lauren O'Neill and Nico Bakulich from the wonderful podcast Sunday School Dropouts. Welcome to the show. Hello. Hello. Thank, Thank you, you for, for having, having us. us. I'm, I'm really glad that you could join me um, to talk. Uh, I'm, I'm a huge fan of, um, of your show, of Sunday School Dropouts. It's uh, I look forward to it every single week. Um, <laughs> Thank you and so much. When I, when, I dis- <laughs> when I discovered it, I um, I definitely went on one of those podcast binges and just listened to the entire backstory, <laughs> the entire back catalog, rather. Uh, all that's the way a lot through. of Bible. So, you got to be careful. Yeah, that's very true. <laughs> that's In right. Concentrated doses. It's it's painfully boring. <laughs> um, <laughs> yeah, there there are some really long boring stretches in there and you triumphed through but the show is great through. yeah but the show is great and <laughs> amazing and never boring Don't worry in about any that. way mm. <laughs> that's right so um i let's let's learn a little bit of a little bit about both of you um let's start with you lauren where did you grow up uh well we both grew up in a suburb of berkeley california oh okay and uh it's called lafayette <laughs> and uh <laughs> It's it's a like very wealthy suburb, um, but also very liberal, like you'd expect near Berkeley. Okay, and um, in that area, so I I have limited exposure to the Bay Area. Um, for a while, my sister lived there on a couple of different occasions. Um, once lived in in the San Francisco, and then another time in Oakland. So um, I've visited Berkeley, but. Can you describe what the overall sort of climate is outside of it being very liberal? I remember um, one one time when I visited, I was in a very deep uh, evangelical phase. So like I, uh-huh. I had like eagle eyes trying to see if there were a lot of churches around. And I remember there weren't that many churches <laughs> um, um, there, yeah, compared so, to like the Midwest. <laughs> right. There's definitely some churches um, not... Not that many, and a lot of them tend to be liberal. You see, that's interesting that you say that because, from my perspective, there's a there's like a 
street, shit ton of churches. Yeah, <laughs> definitely. I mean, there's like a street in town that's like nothing but churches. Yeah, but that's like, <laughs> there's like multiple of those in other places. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah. Uh, it's it's definitely like, um, so I, I've grown, I've, I've lived in small town Indiana and suburban and city of Chicago primarily. And, and yeah, there's just churches everywhere you look. <laughs> um, so I, yeah, that was the one thing I just kind of stuck out in comparison to to the Midwest, which I don't know. Yeah, so, so like, um, I was raised Presbyterian, and the church that I went to, if you compare it to, like, elsewhere, like, other, the rest of American Christianity, like, my church was probably pretty liberal. But compared to, like, the surrounding culture of the East Bay, mm. extremely conservative. <laughs> <laughs> So I know um, Presbyterians, they have, there's like the Missouri Synod and then there's PCUSA. And I think yeah, the Missouri so, Synod is like super, con like very evangelical type of conservative. Yeah. Then, so I was, I was PCUSA. Um, okay. Although I did not know that at the time. That really sounds like <laughs> somebody insulting you on Twitter. PCUSA. <laughs> <laughs> Political correctness gone mad. Yeah. Um, special, special snowflake. Yeah. So, uh, but I actually just was looking up my old church um, in preparation for this podcast, and I discovered that they are no longer PCUSA. As of earlier this year, they've changed to some weird, like, new evangelical denomination called ECO. <laughs> ECO. Okay, it's called. It's no, it's seriously, it's like the most rebranding thing. It's like not even churchy. It's so rebranding. It's ECO colon. An evangelical covenant order. Whoa! <laughs> but but when you say it, are they they witches now? When you say it, you ha you're supposed to include the eco and like that's part of the name. It's not an act like the acronym itself is part of its own name. Oh. It's like recursive infinity forever. Recurse acronym. Um, mm -hmm. and I guess that was created because PCUSA decided to like accept gay people. Mm. Um, so Always my church. Yeah, so my church that I grew up in was like, mm, we're not going to do that. <laughs> so that that gives you sort of an idea of the environment I grew up in. When you think about the Bay Area, like, it's a gay mecca, right? Like, <laughs> that's a huge part of the culture here is gay rights and has been for a long time. And then I was going to a church that eventually would decide to, like, become a new denomination because it didn't accept gay people. <laughs> So that's, yeah, that was like a big uh, point of tension for me. <laughs> yeah. Um, on, uh, well, on that note, it, um, I, one of the craziest stories I've heard of a denomination, denomination changing is, um, well, I have family in Southern Indiana, which is also known as Kentuckiana, and it's a very small town. Uh -huh. And, um, <laughs> so there were these, there was these people that my grandparents knew that attended a church, um, that th it wasn't part of any sort of larger denomination, but, um, they at one point split be over like, I don't know, some, they, some people liked one pastor, some people liked another. So they became two different churches and then they couldn't decide what to do with the church piano. And then one group... <laughs> One group 
um, took the piano <laughs> from the other group and then put a lock on their sanctuary so they couldn't get in and take oh it back. <laughs> and then the old church just decided to become a no music church. <laughs> ah. Because they didn't That's have piano amazing. That very and it's closely, been like that for like 60 years. <laughs> it very closely mirrors that episode of The Simpsons where they have the fight over the lemon tree with Shelbyville. <laughs> yes. So look that up. <laughs> Classic. So Nico, how about you? Um, in, in your show, um, which I'd... Uh, which I encourage everyone to check out. Um, Lauren, you introduce yourself as the ex-Christian, and mm-hmm. Nico, you are the non-believing sort of Jew. Mm-hmm. Um, so what was, were you not really affected by the sort of environment that Lauren was in, even though you're in the same town? Oh, yeah. I mean, like, the, the town that we grew up in is very secular, I'd say, in, yeah. in, in most regards. Um, so I, and, I mean, I was exposed to much more Judaism growing up than I was Christianity in private and public life, I'd say. So, no, I was not affected by her Presbyterian church, or whatever, <laughs> whatever struggles they were going through. Yeah. I mean, yeah, there was like, there were like not that many, like at our high school, I was one of, I don't know, like 10 Christian students. Mm-hmm. Um, but Nico, you weren't like raised Jewish, Jewish. No, 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 no. It's, it's like, some cultural aspects of it, I suppose, and some very minor religious aspects of it, like my mom teaching me a couple prayers that are like the Michigan version of Hebrew, you know, <laughs> like sort of half remembered. I can spout, I can spout out a couple of them now, and then Lauren looks at me and she's just like, "Yeah, technically, I guess that's Hebrew." But... <laughs> I studied Hebrew in college for no real reason, <laughs> but no, no, no strong. No strong religious stuff in in the family or in the environment. Although, you know, my mom considers herself raised Jewish, and she was raised hella Jewish. She was raised extremely Jewish. Yeah, um, <laughs> ah, the hella Jewish. <laughs> yeah, the hella <laughs> But then, so she she this is like a great story about her is that when she was young she wanted to be a rabbi. Yeah, because that's that's just who the, the kind of person that she is. Is that if she's going to do mm-hmm. something, she's going to do it all the way. And she's going to be the best at it that she ever could. And, and then they told her women can't be rabbis. And she was like, well, I'm an atheist now. Fuck this. Yeah, I'm out. <laughs> that's, that's it. <laughs> well, there you go. I, and then I think the first, first female rabbi was, was confirmed like maybe a couple of years after that. Oh, really? Yeah. <laughs> oh, really? But she was already gone. She, was, she had already flipped the table. Or it may have been even earlier in progressive Judaism. She was raised conservative, though. The only thing I have in mind is the Barbara Streisand movie. I'm sorry, that's like what stuck. That's in my your head. exposure to Judaism. No, the the um, the female rabbi thing. <laughs> oh, that's true. Yeah. Okay, okay. Yeah, I can't remember the name of that movie. Yentl. 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 Thank you. Duh. Uh, <laughs> so, um, so Lauren, what was uh, what was your your church like um, as far as like the youth group culture and that sort of thing? growing up you've mentioned on your show that you were involved and you did a lot of the um you helped as a sunday school teacher and that sort of stuff um was there also that sort of strong youth group culture that was present in the 80s and 90s and early 2000s and i was in the worship band hey all right i was too (laughs) i was the lead singer in the worship band and um so every week i would go there was two services 
So I'd go to the the first service I would teach Sunday school to children. And then the second service I would go to youth group and uh, sing in the worship band. Um, and it was very much that sort of like, we're cool. It's like rock and roll over here, you know. Um, we're in the 21st century. <laughs> Leave now. your organs at home. We yeah, got guitars. we got electric guitars. <laughs> um, but yeah, <laughs> that's that's what it was like. Uh, yeah. And again, pretty liberal in terms of American Christianity, but uh, very conservative compared to the rest of the culture that I was living in. So then, did you have things like Third Day and? Uh... Sonic Flood in the rotation and everything. Yes, yes, definitely Sonic Flood, Jars of Clay, like all the the oh no no, no, no. Still here. the Post Boys. What what's the name of that band? No, I, I'm not, I'm way out of my depth. Sorry, <laughs> I, I tried to get my point. It was too cold for me. News, <laughs> News Boys. Yeah. Uh, News DC Boys. Talk was a big yeah. one. Uh, yeah. So I what, is, I what does DC Talk stand for? DC. Actually, I don't know. Are they just from Washington, D.C.? I don't know. Yeah, Direct I don't Christ. know either. <laughs> Direct um. to Christ line. <laughs> um, yeah. So that was. Did you have like a Wednesday youth group sort of sort of sometime during the week sort of youth group that you would uh, attend? We did not, although I would be there um, every, I forget if it was Wednesday or Thursday, but I would be there once a week to do uh, practice for the worship band. Oh, okay. Gotcha. But there was not a, another youth group service, as far as I know. I, I mean, there were like... You're looking at me for confirmation, like I was Like, there. you have any idea. <laughs> yeah. um, no, um, like there were some Bible studies that you could go to midweek, but I don't think any of them were youth-focused. Oh, okay. What about uh, just... <clears throat> sorry. What about any other trappings of like um, sort of Christianese sort of either... Were, were you exposed to the sorts of like purity culture sorts of bs did some um i'm yes, really letting my my own attitude sort of shine through there um, <laughs> forgive, forgive. Okay. yes but a toned down version so like my church was kind of like okay well we you know we believe that like gay people are bad and we believe that like premarital sex is wrong but we're not really going to talk about that. We're just going to focus on the positive stuff. So, like, we never talked about hell, but we talked a lot about heaven. Mm-hmm. Um, and it's the soft sell. <laughs> yeah, exactly. <laughs> so, for in terms of like purity culture, we definitely in the youth group had, you know, like a couple weeks each year would be devoted to talking about like sex. And how masturbation is a sin, and we would separate into like a boys' group and a girls' group, and then the girls' group had to learn about how like we couldn't dress slutty because it would tempt our brothers in Christ, and blah blah blah. I don't know what the boys learned. I guess like that girls were sinful or something. <laughs> <laughs> um, and then we would get. I remember. <clears throat> excuse me. I remember on Valentine's Day we would have like little valentines that were like i love jesus and not my boyfriend <laughs> only jesus <laughs> that's pretty uh that's pretty hardcore if you ask me i mean it's not, it wasn't it was it was not hardcore though because it was like we usually didn't talk about that you know yeah usually yeah. we were talking about um like 
how we were all sinful and deserved to die or whatever. <laughs> Not about sex. Sex yeah. was only brought up like once a year. Yeah. Your your experience sounds somewhat similar to mine. I went to um, United Methodist churches growing up, and uh-huh. that's also like a fairly liberal um, overall. It's a fairly liberal denomination. Um, but in retrospect, it seems like there was a lot of the sorts of cultural things that are very common with even more conservative uh, denominations and expressions of Christianity that sort of like, I don't know, like infiltrated in a way, yeah. like worked their way into the more mainstream denominations. Um, I, it's probably due to a number of factors like, um, like Christian bookstores and that sort of stuff. Like yeah, they sort of disseminate more conservative ideas as opposed to, you know, you're not going to find like liberation theology things in there. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> or <But> like, I... <laughs> what's liberation theology? Um, it's a theology that's popular and I'm not, I'm by no means really, a, um, I don't really know that much about it, but it's, um, it's popular amongst, uh, in South America where a lot of, uh, theologians in South America found narratives within Christianity that sort of that speak directly to oppressed people and mm. empower them through their um, through Christianity essentially to feel in a lot of ways much more assured um, and it's very empowering to oppressed groups um, and it's a, a much more progressive 20th century 21st century sort of strain of of thinking and not something you'd find in uh, in an evangelical or conservative church i see yeah so see. i've i've learned i did not know this when i was actually a christian but i've learned since that like presbyterians are supposed to have a focus on social justice okay um and but the stereotype of presbyterians well there's two stereotypes of presbyterians one is that they're rich and the other is that they're like, uh, like not demonstrative. They're just kind of like cold and unfriendly. <laughs> um, and I would the second one is I don't know. I guess fine. <laughs> <laughs> not not super true, but not super false either. But like the stereotype of Presbyterians being rich, I think was very true of my church. We lived in a wealthy suburb. Most of the people there were very well off, and like I remember that there would be like controversies about like how the church was like investing their funds in like mutual funds or whatever. Sure, sure, sure. <laughs> um, so I like really had no idea that, that Presbyterianism was supposed to focus on social justice because I was definitely exposed to a version that was uh, very focused on wealth, not very focused. That's, that's not fair to say, because if you look at like, some of these televangelists or like Joel Osteen or whatever. It's it's not even comparable to that. But um like, you know, there's that Bible verse about how it's easier for a camel to get through the eye of a needle than for a rich man to get into mm-hmm. heaven. And like I was taught in church, oh, you know, the the eye of the needle was actually like a rock formation that was present near Jerusalem. So it was like difficult for a camel to get there but like it was fine you know it was just like <laughs> you know like a camel could get through it and it'd be fine it was just like kind of a tight squeeze <laughs> when you know that's that's an interesting 
and usually it's the metaphor is made literal. <laughs> but right. Kind of and and I mean, I think it's supposed to be literal. I think it's supposed to be literal. <laughs> yeah. And if you read like, I mean, so our podcast is about the Bible. So I've been reading through the Bible. And also, if you read like what Jesus taught, it's very much about like being rich is never portrayed as a good thing. But yeah. my church would be like, it's fine we can <laughs> we can manage it yeah i just want to take it back just want to take it back one step and point out that christian bookstores is a pretty decent band name <laughs> <laughs> and liberation theology is not a bad first album title no, that's I... anybody out there is looking <laughs> christian bookstores uh, i think that's that's not bad not, that, that, that's not too shabby <laughs> You've yeah. clearly never been inside a Christian bookstore. Oh no, wait, we oh, went we to one in Spain. We, we went, we, we were just in Spain, Spain and we went into a Christian bookstore and it was amazing. It was very Catholic though, which is not the type of Christian bookstore that I'm used to. But there was <laughs> yeah. uh, there was one book that we saw that was like Mystico Holista se llama Jesus. Mm -hmm. like, my my therapist is named Jesus. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> that is great. And I I've worked in my share of Christian bookstores and Oh nice. <laughs> and uh I that was my that was my high school job for a while. Um oh, wow. we didn't have any cool uh cool book titles like that. <laughs> I know. I that one was like pretty great even for a Christian bookstore. <laughs> this one also had Jesus the manga. Jesus oh, manga. Yeah, okay. But manga in yeah, Spanish, but we did. Oh, I I do remember Regrets. one one item that was on sale for a while was uh the Action Bible, which was a comic book version of the Bible. It might be good oh, for your nice. for your podcast, actually. Yeah, maybe we should be. look into that. There are lots of crazy versions of the New Testament, so it just turns out that the Bible is apparently 85% Old Testament. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, there's a lot of Old Testament. Um, yep. <laughs> so when did... Um, when did things kind of when did you start to become more critical of the the faith that you were brought up in Lauren? Um when did that sort um, of begin to take a turn? Well, in high school my best friend was gay. And um well she's she identifies as bi now, but at the time she identified as gay. And so that sort of got me thinking like I can't really, this is a part of Christianity that I cannot really, like, agree with. Because my best friend is gay, and it's very clear that it's fine, and it's not a sin. And, you know, that's, that's just ridiculous. So that sort of started me on a path of being like, well, I can't accept this part of Christianity, but, like, I still believe in Jesus. And then I was like, I can't believe in, like this whole no premarital sex thing. It just doesn't make sense to me. It's, you know, like when I started dating, I was like, well, this is not, this is so clearly fine. It's not a sin, you know? <laughs> and then I was like, okay, well, I'm going to reject that part, but I still believe in Jesus. And then when I went to college, I just kind of, when, when I didn't have like a structure where I was going to church every Sunday, um, because I'd been doing that my whole life at the same church and, and, you know, teaching Sunday school and singing the worship band and everything. And the structure was all set up. So I like was not going to just deviate from it. But when I went to college and all of a sudden I wasn't going to church every Sunday, I was just kind of like, Oh, I don't have to do this. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, there was, there were other things too. Like 
I definitely was getting tired of, like, I'm not supposed to believe in evolution. You know, at, growing up in Berkeley, it's like, yeah, if you don't believe in evolution, you're a freak. <laughs> you know, like yeah. that. And was you felt that pressure. Really- you felt that pressure to to be like a young earth creationist or something like that um not a young earth creationist but just to to not believe in evolution okay that was like but you're also expected to do well on the biology ap exam so it's like (laughs) what what the fuck are you supposed to do yes as a young lauren yeah exactly i mean i was um i also had a lot of pressure to do well academically and i did i graduated valedictorian i got like a 4.5 gpa um but in doing that, you have to like study science and you, I also like ended up majoring in English, majoring in um, creative writing and then getting a, an MFA in creative writing. And so when you read a lot of literature, it's all about like moral ambiguity and like moral relativism. And you're like, you know, this does not really square with the things I'm being taught mm-hmm. in church. Although what I've discovered from doing our podcast is that it does actually square with a lot of the Bible. Yeah, some of the smart parts of the Bible, um, yeah. <laughs> but not with, like, cultural Christianity. Yeah, and I think there's a that's an important distinction, too, that, that a lot of what be, has become the sort of uh, cultural Christianity is just uh, a lot of cruft over... <laughs> there's, a, there's a lot of great stuff that's kind of hidden underneath all of that. <laughs> yeah. I mean, my theory is that, like, most religion is, like, 90% culture and only 10% belief. Yeah, that's, that's fairly, there's something to that. <laughs> um, because, uh, yeah, a lot of it is just a, a ritual that, um, or sometimes even just habit. Um, yeah. Because a ritual, a lot of times, implies a sense of intention. Um, but, a, but a habit is something you just do uh, somewhat right. unconsciously. Right. Um, so for you, Nico, did you ever really have any any of these sorts of similar moral quandaries or, or anything like that through your adolescence or through college or anything like that? No. <laughs> I no, I did not. Um, what is that like? <laughs> you know, was, I know, it's amazing, right? I mean, it was fine. I still had stuff to worry about. I mean, it's not like that removes all of your problems, but that was certainly something I, I, was not, I did not worry about. Also, Nico is like the most well-adjusted person that exists and has like no psychological problems. <laughs> that's not true. <laughs> you know that's not true. It seems true to me in comparison. <laughs> I understand. But don't big up me too much. This <laughs> valedictorian. Um, no, I, I, you know, I, maybe a tiny bit, you're just thinking like, oh, some people have religion. Like, what if I had that in my life? Like, well, I don't really know enough about it and I got stuff going on, so. I wasn't stressing about it. <laughs> I got stuff and, going on. And like, I didn't have, there was no, there was no pressure in pretty much any part of my life to get involved with religion. Um, Can I ask, okay, so we went to the same high school mm-hmm. um, and there were not very many Christian kids. Right. How did you perceive us? It didn't really register for me. Hmm. Like it, thinking, thinking of people as like, oh, like she's super Christian was not like a thing what about margaret (laughs) well i mean i still in those cases like i that wasn't the first thing that came to mind and later looking back on it it's very easy to be like wow she was like 
super Christian. And even at the time, I was like, well, she's pretty religious, you know, I guess that's a thing. But I didn't really have enough exposure to 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 jump to conclusions. Uh-huh. Like, I didn't really have the conclusions to jump to. I see. Um, and so it didn't really didn't really enter my thinking a lot. Yeah. Is that okay? Yeah. <laughs> yeah, that's great. Um, <laughs> I don't know if you're asking me or Lauren in that situation. <laughs> I'll ask everybody. <laughs> um, Listener. <laughs> so in, in retrospect, it, I mean, it, in what you've learned um, from Lauren through then, is it just kind of shocking the sort of things you've learned as, as far as what, um, what was sort of common either belief or sort of practice? that you learned about in retrospect i, I mean it's, it's mildly shocking <laughs> i mean he's pretty used to it now like we've been dating for nine years so <laughs> yeah my i'd say mildly shocking mildly. but <laughs> yeah you know i i mean i wasn't there i wasn't in the trenches going to church every every sunday so it's it's difficult for me to really understand how how that shapes a childhood or how that how those kind of pressures can be like omnipresent in your life um, but I, I approach it with, with, uh, with empathy and sympathy. <laughs> um, but I'm not, uh, you know, it's, it's life, <laughs> you know? Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, for sure. sure. Um, and everybody has the, the things that they, that they need to, to kind of address. Um, uh, not I me. I'm doing great. You're doing great. You're just <laughs> doing your thing. This man is psychologically sound. <laughs> That's that's enviable. <laughs> <laughs> it really is. Like you don't even know. <laughs> um, so you, L- Lauren, you've mentioned before, and I don't, I don't know, Nico, whether you, um, whether I've heard you just through your through through your episodes. I don't know if I've heard you, Nico, identify as an atheist or not. Um, but was there anything that sort of led you, led you, Lauren, to that? And Nico, are you s- somewhere on that sort of? um spectrum as well <laughs> uh, for lack I'll of- answer first um I am I'm absolutely an atheist um my the only reason I don't like that wasn't in the intro to our show and I tried very consciously to keep it out of it is because like in my opinion some of the of the the discourse around atheism online hashtag the discourse is a little overheated in, in my opinion like <laughs> mm-hmm. it gets it's very confrontational and it's very, I don't think it's productive. You're or, talking about your Dawkinses, your Hitchenses. Yeah. yeah. I don't, I don't think it's interesting or productive. And even though in, in private or in, I know this isn't in private, but as a, as a personal thing, I will happily identify as an atheist on the show. I just wanted to be like, I don't want this to be like in the atheism section of sure. the internet, <laughs> yeah. you know? <laughs> Just this is like, not like Richard Dawkins. Yeah, yeah. like I, I'm not here to confront people and be like, why are you such an idiot for believing in God? Right. Like that's, I don't think that is a, a good use of anybody's time or energy. Um, but in terms of what I personally believe, yeah, I mean, by any definition, I'm an atheist. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. For me, um, so I kind of like gradually stopped identifying as a Christian, like over the course of the four years of college. But ironically, one of the things that made me take longer to identify as an atheist was when I started to date Nico. Mm. Um, because so we went to high school together and I had a huge crush on him and I was totally in love with him. 
but he like barely knew that I existed. <laughs> and then when we started dating in college, I was like, well, clearly like there's someone up there doing something for me. <laughs> <laughs> um, so then I sort of identified gradually as like, well, maybe I, I'm like, you know, not a Christian, but Spiritual. I still sort of, yeah, yeah, I still sort of believe in God. And then I was like, eh, maybe I'm like agnostic. And then eventually I was like, you know, I'm an atheist. I, I don't believe there is anything uh, supernatural. I could be wrong, but that's not what I believe. Also, in my mind, like, like going out and saying that you're an atheist is also like, hey, religion is not for me. I personally don't get anything from religion. Yeah. And to me, that's like important for me to state. Mm -hmm. um, we, we talked about this when we were, you know, like starting our podcast and um, coming up with a little intro line, which calls Nico a non-believing sort of Jew instead of like an atheist sort of Jew. A raving atheist. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> and like for me, it does feel important for me to say I'm an atheist because to me, it means I've rejected all this toxic stuff that I learned that I don't want to be a part of anymore. And I'm doing that very consciously. Um, but I, at the same time, don't want to be like one of these new atheists. I don't like Richard Dawkins. Um, and when I first decided to accept that label and I started reading like Richard Dawkins and, and various internet forums, sure. uh, I was like, yes, my people. And then very quickly I discovered, no, these are not my people. <laughs> <laughs> I actually don't have a people. It's just, I just don't believe in God. And that's, that's it. Don't want to be involved in organized religion. Yeah. And, and I don't want to go anywhere on Sunday. I just want to sleep in. <laughs> yeah. Um, uh, I recently uh, edited, I'm, I'm a freelance writer and editor, and I recently edited a book about world religions. And I was going through it and I was like, okay, I need one where like, you don't have to go to church and you don't have to believe in God. <laughs> and then I was like, oh, wait, that's why I'm an atheist. Right? <laughs> yeah. At my, um, I went to a Christian college and uh, at uh, if you skip church, you the horrible Christian joke, um, which actually isn't terrible, would, was that you went to Bedside Baptist and heard Pastor Sheets talk. Uh, so, do you have a drum roll thing? You went to went to Bedside Baptist, <laughs> yeah, and heard. Oh, Pastor I Sheets see. Talk. You're like, oh yeah, yeah. No, I was at church. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. Got it. Got it. Yeah. Um. So. <laughs> So anyways, that Pastor was... Pastor Sheets is a much worse band name. <laughs> <laughs> it could be a good character in like a concept album, though. I agree. Yeah, on uh, that Liberation Theology, it could be a track name. For sure. <laughs> Number four is such a pain. The Sabbath thing is so arcane. I don't want to disagree. My only day to sleep in late. Sorry, I, I uh, lost my train of thought with that bad joke <laughs> <laughs> that I had just called back from ten years ago. Um, so did that. Uh, so did your sort of moving from being brought up Presbyterian 
to um, now identifying as atheist, did that present any sort of um, struggle with with either your, your friends or or your family or anything like that, or do they can, or I mean, you you can refuse to answer. That's fine too. <laughs> yeah. No. Um, so definitely a lot of conflict with my dad. Um, the weird thing about my childhood is that my mom was not a churchgoer and not really a believer. Um, and then my dad is super super Christian. So. They're divorced now. Surprise, surprise. Um, but so it hasn't been a problem at all with my mom, um, but definitely had a lot of conflict with my dad um, in college when I was rejecting the label for the first time. Um, and now we just uh, don't talk about it. Mm-hmm. <laughs> we just avoid that topic of conversation. He definitely thinks I'm going to hell, which uh, is, I'm sure, very painful for him. And uh, it's painful for me that he thinks that as well. But we uh, just don't talk about that anymore. Um, In terms of friends, uh, all my church friends, like everyone at church that I was friends with is now no longer a Christian. (laughs) Um, And I have a couple like, Facebook friends from church, but we were never super close. Um, and so we don't have any conflict over it. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. I, I think that's a very common occurrence too, where you're, where like your, your youth group friends or whatever are either no longer Christians or, um, or stayed like super, uh, stayed super Christian or super evangelical. And, yeah. um, yeah, I think that's I mean, just... especially like I was in the worship band, right? So it was like the worship band was like all the weirdos who like listened to a lot of rock music and like painted their nails even though they were boys. You know, it was like all <laughs> all the weirdos were in the worship band. So then now none of us believe in God anymore. <laughs> we believe in the power. So of why rock do they even have worship bands anymore? It just know, seems like it, a one way ticket to atheism. It totally was like it totally was. One way ticket to atheism. <laughs> Another terrible band name. <laughs> there are um, there are a number of uh, Christian rock stars that are now atheists too. Um, so. Oh yeah. And, yeah. Uh, Pedro the Lion, of course. Yeah. Oh yeah, he's uh, he's my patron saint, basically. <laughs> <laughs> Dave Bazan. Anytime he comes anywhere near the Midwest, I, I see a show. So. Oh, that's great. Yeah, yeah. He's um, he wasn't he was too edgy even when he was a christian to come to my school right so um so we had to travel you know 30 miles to the other christian college (laughs) in indiana to the cool christian college (laughs) what's that to the cool christian college yes exactly the the christian college where you could watch rated r movies (laughs) the um like whenever there's a christian music festival it Mm -hmm. would be like Peter the Lion would be like on his own stage, like at a separate time. And then like everybody would go and he would like, he would like cuss and everyone would be like, oh my God, he's at a cuss word. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. The thrills. <laughs> yeah. Sounds great. Yeah. Yeah. It's uh, it's pretty, pretty crazy. I wonder crazy. how like, uh, <laughs> how, how like Scott Stapp is doing these days. Do I think, think he's, he's homeless Christian? actually. There was a story oh. that he's homeless. Oh, I hope that's not true. <laughs> I don't know whether it's true, but there was a story at one point that he was. Well, he could be technically homeless and still be quite rich. <laughs> he could be like Jean Ralphio, technically. 
Homeless. <laughs> That's right. <laughs> Looking at the four seasons. <laughs> All right. So let's uh, let's talk Bibble for a while. Um, um, what My you get? Favorite uh, topic. Yes. <laughs> um, you you two have started a podcast where you have taken upon yourselves to read through the entire Bible. Um, mm-hmm. Book per week. Yeah, this is one true. Book per week for. Uh, until the until the bitter end, <laughs> and you've actually yep. added you've given yourself extra work. You've done yeah, because we're reading the apocrypha too. Not all of the apocrypha, but most. Well, some would say extra, some might not. <laughs> Catholics apparently would, mm-hmm. although Catholics don't read the Bible, so who cares? <laughs> <laughs> um. So what what was the what gave you this idea? What what made you want to do this show? Um, well, a couple of years ago, I um, decided for some reason to live tweet the Easter story, um, like from the Bible, like on Easter and like leading up to Easter, like starting, I think starting Good Friday, actually, um, because like what you don't realize if you haven't actually read the Gospels is that it's super weird. Like in three of the four Gospels, the Easter story starts with Jesus telling the disciples to go steal a donkey. And if anyone notices, just say it's for the Lord. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and like a lot of like most of the people who follow me on Twitter don't have a strong religious background. And um, so I was just tweeting all this stuff that, you know, like you might not know if you've never read the Bible. And that's actually super weird and interesting and goofy, really goofy a lot of the time. And then um, there's like a really good response to that. And so then I started thinking like, I want to. I want to do this for the whole Bible, but I knew that if I was just like, I couldn't like, you can't like live tweet the whole, like there's too much. Mm-hmm. Um, and even doing like a blog about it, I think would be like, who cares what <laughs> I individually think about the Bible? You know, I'm just like fucking schmuck. <laughs> so um, we'd also been wanting to start a podcast because we both just listen to a lot of podcasts super obsessively. And uh, Nico's a musician, so we have all the recording equipment already. And so then after I had those two separate goals in my mind for like a year or two, I decided, hey, what if we combine those two goals? Mm-hmm. We were already looking for a project. You yeah, know, we, we were like, project. We're like, we wanted to work together, but we were just looking for the right project. <laughs> <laughs> and uh, yeah, so we decided to do that. It was a little random, um, but it's been super interesting for me to go through it because Obviously, being raised Christian and teaching Sunday school, I've read a lot of individual Bible stories and Bible verses, but I've never read through it all the way for a time. Or for, yeah, I've never read through it all the way. Mm-hmm. For the first time is what we're doing on the show. Yeah, that's yeah, the like, tagline for the show. That the my show. brain just went into yeah. autopilot and, uh, <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> and regurgitated. <laughs> but yeah. And Nico, what about you? Um, did you have any, any exposure to the Torah or any... Anything else um, from uh, from your Jewish background? No, none at all. Uh, I sort of vaguely knew the Hanukkah story. Um, I knew about which is not in there. <laughs> I knew about the High Holy Days. It's in Maccabees, right? I guess. Okay, um, but that's I know it's not in the Torah. Yeah, or in the Jewish Bible. It's not right. in the Tanakh. Um, so I think that answers your question. No, I think. The answer is no. <laughs> <laughs> so yeah, I mean the Old Testament, which is where where you you are now, and your release schedule is really pretty wacky in a lot of spots. Yeah, lots of crazy stuff happens in Genesis. 
Um, <laughs> yeah, alone. Genesis alone yeah. is like super, super wacky. So what's your, uh, I mean, what's your, do you, either of you have sort of like favorites, crazy, <laughs> crazy doings uh, from, from early on? I mean, now you're, you're deep into the prophets, which is a lot of doom and gloom for the most part. Um, yeah. But there's a lot of. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, Jonah, which is Well, Jonah's still doom and gloom, but in a very different way. <laughs> yeah. Um uh the interesting thing for Jonah is that it ends with a do you um uh, something along the lines of Nineveh has many people and also cattle. <laughs> That's how it ends. It's got a lot of got a lot of cattle. <laughs> I care for the cattle too, you know. Look, it's it's a, it's a place. And it's in that story, the cattle the cattle were also fasting and, uh, out, out of to repent. <laughs> For their, for yeah, their and the sheep ways. were wearing sackcloth. Yeah. <laughs> so they were showing the proper deference to yep. God. So why shouldn't God care about them? That's true. <laughs> They're in sackcloth. So, so Do you have any favorite parts, Lauren? Yeah, favorite parts. Um, I mean, I I have really enjoyed all the parts that um, where you get like a glimpse of just like somebody's personality that's so still exactly the same today mm-hmm. um like there's i forget it was somewhere in like um kings or judges where i forget which king it is one of these you know stupid idol worshiping kings um gets a prophet to and he's hoping he'll get like a, a positive prophecy about this upcoming battle but the prophet is like no you're wicked you need to repent and he's like this guy never gives me a good prophecy (laughs) he's just always trying to bring me down (laughs) and like the idea that that a king would say that about a prophet and it would be recorded in a holy book and passed down for thousands of years and it's just still something that anybody could say today it's like oh this guy oh this guy again yeah this this guy's just he he has it out for me you know (laughs) that is true i love all of those authentic seeming human moments that haven't been like ironed out in the editing yes. and in the canonization and everything like or like that. even in in the apocryphal book of tobit i loved when um when the main character was like you know um i should be getting back because my parents are going to start to worry about me like i've been traveling a long time and i don't want them to worry mm-hmm. and that was just just like such a a normal human consideration that's now like enshrined in a holy book yeah that's interesting my favorite I mean, like my all-time favorite is like the wisdom stuff, like Ecclesiastes and Ecclesiasticus. Oh yeah, Ecclesiasticus is is apocryphal. But um, we both loved Ecclesiastes. Yeah, amazing stuff. Um, but in terms of wackiness, I mean, I guess it also doesn't count because it's apocryphal. But the Book of Enoch is one of the one of the wildest things mm. <laughs> you'll read. I mean, it's it's not canonical in outside of ethiopia um and maybe eastern orthodox question mark i don't i don't remember orthodox maybe some weird like offshoot of eastern okay um but anyway it's about angels and how evil angels taught man how to uh for example wear makeup wear makeup (laughs) and how to count the stars and how to understand the phases of the moon yeah and these evil angels came down and and bred with human women, and which and then their children were giants. Their children were like these evil giants that ate everything. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and, <laughs> yeah, 
that's amazing stuff that's some that was super well the first third of it the last two thirds are i mean you could cut those (laughs) (laughs) it got a little baggy well some of it does some of it does for sure and many of much of it has been edited some of it pretty well i think but yeah yeah i think um i mean i i think that uh the the way that honestly you both are sort of approaching the bible more as literature has a lot of value that uh that I think a lot of a lot of people could really benefit from. I think it's sort of I don't know, it's sort of interesting the the way that the Bible is um when it's portrayed as something that's supposed to be perfect, it like <laughs> it makes it homogenous and it makes it less human because everybody knows totally. that we are not perfect. But then when you accept that this was a book that's been like glued together uh, out of several books over thousands of years centuries yeah yeah it becomes far more fascinating and far more interesting and in a way like much more alive than than if you just you know the bible says it, i believe it sort of right wrote response um it's also like it shows up in so much western literature mm-hmm. There's so many biblical allusions that it's really, you know, like if you read Moby Dick, you know, there's an Ishmael and there's an Ahab and like those both have really deep resonances for you. If you know those stories from the Bible, um, you know, they're still good without it. But knowing the Bible, like really, well, really going out on a limb, Moby Dick, still pretty good. <laughs> Moby Dick, still pretty good without the Bible. <laughs> that's that's my official stance on Moby Dick mm-hmm. and on the entire Western canon. Got it. <laughs> Um, but yeah, like Nico, you don't, you don't, did not get any of those illusions previously. No, when I, no, I hadn't. Um, and I think that's And even true. if I had read them in a footnote or whatever, I'd be like, yeah, what? he's like, Ahab was the king of the Northern right, yeah. kingdom of Israel <laughs> when it split from Jezebel. Judah. And I'm like, yeah. uh, <laughs> um, I think that's true of like where we grew up. Most people did not understand mm-hmm. those. So I think like that's, yeah. in English class in high school, you know, like I, I got not all the references, but a lot of them, but I think most people didn't. Um, I think that's fair. Yeah. And I think that's true of, of a lot of America. I mean, obviously a lot of America is very, very Christian, um, but a lot of America is also just very nominally Christian and doesn't actually read the Bible or um, is not, doesn't identify as Christian at all. And I mean, the Bible is still, I think, a really interesting text for them to read culturally and literarily. And back to your point earlier about the, about the, the humanity in the Bible, like even among the prophets, and, we've, and we're like sort of most of the way through the minor prophets now, I think. Yeah, we're like halfway through the minor prophets. <laughs> oh, man. We got uh, all the major prophets. Got it. But like <laughs> some, of them, some of them are very cut and dry. Like it's in some cases literally prophecies that are cut and pasted from other parts of the Bible. Yeah, that's true. But some of them, <laughs> Some of them are very clearly like a, from a unique point of view, like whether the language is slightly different or whether some of the ideas are slightly different. And it's like in those individual points of view that have actually been preserved now for 2,600 years or something like right. that. Like they're, and to see how relevant that is to our way of thinking or to see, to see, to get an idea of this ancient character mm-hmm. who is from a holy tradition that persist to this day that is super interesting um absolutely yeah when it's some of the 
like stuff. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. Um, one of the, I don't I remember I was, I was very religious in, in high school. Um, very, very interested in learning about, um, Christianity and all that sort of stuff. And mm-hmm. I remember one of, one of my, one of the, my favorite passages was actually in a minor prophet, <laughs> which was in Habakkuk, which is, a. Uh, um, uh, oh, yeah, that's Habakkuk. You haven't read that one. Yet. That's uh, our next next one. Mm, that's yeah. in two in two episodes for us. <laughs> yeah, yeah. So that one has a. I mean, that one as far as its humanity, it's only like four chapters. It's very short, but I mean, it really starts out with this this person just like expressing their sorts of doubt and um, confusion and grief, which. Hey, you're a teenager trying to figure out the world. Like that's kind of where your head yeah. is at. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah. And like to, to have that sort of honesty and that humanity, um, it is really powerful. And even if you step back and divorce the theistic sort of things from it, there's still a lot of stuff you can identify with just in the sort of human struggle of trying to understand a very confusing world. Um, yeah, which is what which is what can be really really valuable, um, and I, that does have value even even as a piece of literature. Yeah, for sure. I mean, I definitely have found like a strange comfort in reading some of these Bible passages in thinking about like, oh, like we're all humans across space and time. Mm-hmm. Um, not not in thinking like, oh, God is taking care of us because I don't believe that at all. But it actually has been comforting in a weird non-theistic way yeah yeah one one thing that i really like about the way you guys do your show is that um nico you read from a like a, a scholarly version of the bible which is the mm-hmm. nrsv it's the oxford edition yeah the oxford edition which with, with scholarly annotations that are more geared towards textual criticism and um and all of that sort of, that approach to the bible and then lauren you are reading the niv study bible which is like a life application study Bible. Yeah. <laughs> so you have a a very different sort of lens into both. And uh, as far as those sorts of crazy different views on um, on the text, what has been some of the more um, uh, diametrically opposed sort of approaches or or different notes that the two of you have sort of compared between your two Bibles? Um, Well, my all-time favorite was a note from Ecclesiastes um, that was, like, (laughs) interpreted. The verse was about, like... Um, when you, when you make an investment, like, uh... (laughs) That was the interpretation Mm. of it. The verse was, like, I don't know, um make sure you like pay attention to lots of things or something. And then the, the scholarly note was like, this is about investing and how you should invest in like diverse ventures when you're like <laughs> consolidating like, no, no, your no. In, in Ecclesiastes, it was telling you, it was telling you like, don't just do one thing. Yeah. Like a varied life is a happy life. Yeah. Essentially. And then the, the notes, the notes were like mutual diversify funds. your portfolio. <laughs> yeah. yeah, yeah. <laughs> and I was like, yes, this is very Presbyterian. I understand this perspective. Common stack. <laughs> yeah <laughs> um uh, i like i mean my my bible is very uh 
careful about saying, you know, this part was very obviously inserted later, you know, and like making clear some of the distinctions in the text, um, which is very interesting to just be like, well, you know, in these next four chapters, it's a it's a later edition used to like make the earlier prophecy work with the historical reality that that followed. And every time you have those notes, my Bible has notes that are like, some people say this is a later edition. <laughs> but if you look at this, this and this, it makes sense if you like accept that miracles are real and you can do this. <laughs> and it's like, like draws like a crazy, like conspiracy theory map, with, like, you know, like yarn thumbtacks yeah. to different things. <laughs> yeah, yeah. And it's like, so actually it's literally true. How about that? <laughs> <laughs> that, um, that sort of wide, <laughs> that sort of wide difference between those two things was one of the things that was very, um, interesting in going to a Christian college. And I initially thought I wanted to be a pastor and I walked that back. Um, I ended up being a writing major. <laughs> um, but, uh, I did get a minor in Biblet. So I, I took like a couple of years of Greek and, um, in those courses, like the professors of the Greek would really emphasize the textual history of it and talk about, um, talk about all the different things that that go in that went into the manuscripts that became the basis of the Bible we have now. Um, Mm -hmm. and then I would take other Bible courses, which were much more like the NIV study Bible, (laughs) which would be (laughs) like, uh, let's just kind of gloss over this (laughs) and, and have a more devotional understanding of it. Um, which a devotional understanding it can be okay, but you can't. Necess- it's not healthy to deny histo- the history that is actually readily right. available. You know, it's funny because I so I majored in um, in English with an emphasis in creative writing, and I minored in modern languages, and I studied modern Hebrew. Um, you had to have two languages to do the minor, so I did Spanish and then Hebrew, and. Um, I think that was like a weird holdover from being Christian and like trying to break away from it at the same time that I wasn't quite ready to break away from it because I was still interested in the Bible and still interested in like a connection to this tradition. But I also just kind of wanted to like approach it from a linguistic standpoint instead of a spiritual standpoint or whatever. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, there's some, there there is something to learning learning one of those languages. Um, for me, it actually created a major crisis of faith for me in college. Um, oh because yeah, because it just because it, uh, um, even though I went to United Methodist and they're not big on the inerrancy thing, which you know, uh-huh. believing the whole Bible is perfect without any right. Error. Presbyterians aren't into that either. But, yeah. yeah, yeah, and um. The denomination wasn't, but my, my, I don't know whether this was a, something I learned from my parents or, or something like that because they came from a more conservative background personally. Um, but learning, a, learning about the actual textual history became very problematic um, just because that's one of the pillars of your faith, kind of. Um, but, right. But at the same time, like, now in the position I am in now, it's more enriching than anything um, to mm-hmm. know that that sort of 
not not to think that it was an active deception that was <laughs> that was put on me. It's more the deception was really the thought that the Bible was inerrant. <laughs> and that's actually the right. deception. <laughs> not right. not necessarily the, the Bible itself. It didn't really the the monks that copied it for fifteen hundred years, they didn't really do anything wrong. <laughs> they were doing their, they were doing <laughs> yeah. their best. Yeah, don't, don't. Those poor monks have, have caught enough shit recently. Yeah, seriously. Like, just back off. <laughs> yeah, absolutely. Let the monks live. Leave the monks alone. <laughs> so, uh, sorry. <laughs> I'll have to edit out this transition here. Um, <laughs> um, Lauren, uh, I, you're also working with one of my prior guests, uh, Chris, Dr. Chris Stroop, on an yes. anthology. Dr. Chris Yes, Dr. Chris Stroop. Um, your anthology, I believe, is called "By the Rivers of Babylon," which is um, yes, which is a biblical reference, and it's about people um, who have stepped away from Christianity, uh, stepped away from the the faith of their childhood or of or of their heritage. Yeah. So the, the Bible verse is the the Bible verse um, is like "By the Rivers of Babylon, we sat down and wept uh, when we remembered Zion," and it's about. Uh, Israelites being literally like taken over by another country, the nation of Babylon and being exiled to Babylon. So it's about like a literal uh, political exile, but um, obviously it's been used metaphorically for many different situations. And so in our case, yeah, the anthology is, is personal essays by people who grew up Christian, but have left the church. And it's um, kind of about being exiles from Christianity and um, the good and bad parts of that and what we reject and what we still cherish and what we miss and what we are glad to be free of and, you know, from lots of different angles, lots of different. What, what sort of, um, have you noticed any sort of like uh, linguistic sort of themes that are happening? And um, the reason I mentioned that is because a lot of people that I've been talking to as part of this project, um, either on the show or on Twitter or somewhere else, a lot of times like, um, fall back to this sort of language of getting out, um, um, which, uh-huh. like, which is like basically like prison language in a way, like escaping, uh, captivity. Yeah. I mean, I do. <laughs> conceptualize it that way i definitely feel like i have freedom i feel like free now um and i didn't realize that i didn't feel free before but once i was gone from it then oh god this real freedom feels like um i don't know if i would say there's linguistic trends but definitely thematic trends like we definitely have like a lot of people who a lot of contributors who like left the church because they were queer in some way or um, left the church because it was like oppressive to women. Um, And then there's also some miscellaneous ones in there that are like, you know, I thought about it, realized didn't make a lot of sense. (laughs) (laughs) Or people who experienced abuse. Um, Yeah. Yeah. And that's and those are all like those are all valid and understandable reasons to leave <laughs> um and this part of doing the show the thing i i find so interesting is that some people are better like 
feel free or better when they when they just leave and then others have found a way to sort of redefine what they believe mm-hmm. and stay within mm-hmm. the bounds and I, i'm more in that camp personally than um than than like full atheist yeah, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> but that i mean uh to your to your point earlier i'm not uh I think the thing that a lot of people tend to reject is fundamentalism, whether right, it's yeah. whether it's atheistic or or Christian or other some order some other taking the form fun of out it. of fundamental. <laughs> What's that? Taking the fun out of fundamental, putting the <laughs> mental in fundamentalism. <laughs> um, yes. <laughs> yeah, definitely. Um, a bunch of our contributors do still identify as either. Um, they believe in God or even some of them still identify as some sort of Christian ish type thing. Um, I would say actually of the contributors we have so far, a majority are not atheists, Hmm. Um, which was surprising to me because that was my path. And I assumed it would be more common, especially coming from the Bay area where like atheism is kind of the default or at Mm -hmm. least agnosticism. Yeah. And is that yeah, is that it, sort of region the where the area where a lot of your contributors are from or live now? Um, I there are uh, several from here because those are like people that I know, you know. Mm-hmm. But um, I think of the contributors we have from the Bay Area, aside from me, I don't think any are from the Bay Area originally. Um, like one is from Massachusetts. <gasps> One, so he was raised like Catholic, like you know, like Boston Catholic style. Um, another is from Colombia, the the country, <laughs> and, <Not> the district, <laughs> and was raised uh, was raised Catholic in Colombia, then moved to Miami as a teenager and was raised like evangelical um, there. So, yeah, I think that we do have several Bay Area contributors, but. Um, None are like originally from the Bay Area. So you yeah. were talking about your own preconceptions about how it would shake out based on being from the Bay Area. Yeah. yeah. That to me, uh, another, I mean, the sort of commonality of a lot of people that have like uh, this sort of evangelical background, it's almost like, I don't know, it's like McDonald's. <laughs> it's kind of the same yeah. everywhere. And that yeah. that is very, also very interesting just in the, the homogenous aspect of a lot of American culture it extends into religion, which I didn't expect and didn't realize <laughs> until much later in life. Yeah. Um, in terms, like, I feel like actually there's like a really actually strong connection between like evangelicalism and like McDonald's. Like I feel <laughs> those are like comparable in a lot of ways um, where it's like not actually religion the way that mcdonald's isn't actually like food <laughs> you know like it's religion on a technicality mm-hmm. um but mainly it's just about like being a homogenous culture and i'm gonna make a hard pivot <laughs> <laughs> please do now um to just kind of where we are culturally in this in situation. this terrible world we live in now <laughs> yes. in this quote-unquote <laughs> situation in this uh, yeah this situation 
Um, not from Jersey Shore. Just an awful situation. Um, <laughs> He's situation. probably Catholic, right? <laughs> <laughs> um, Didn't speculate. We're recording this uh, the first day of December. Um, so we're a few weeks. 2016. Yeah. We're a few weeks uh, removed from uh, the events of November 8th. <laughs> which shall not be named <laughs> um and what's your what's your overall um bead on on the overall culture also specifically the contributions of well evangelicals and other conservative christians yeah. to the sort of um to this sort of situation that we're in now uh I, I, overall yeah. it's not looking good <laughs> outlook bad <laughs> Um, I mean, it's weird because Donald Trump is not just the least Christ-like of any president ever, but also the least Christian. Um, but he got like 80% of the evangelical vote, despite the fact that he clearly has never read the Bible. He called it two Corinthians instead of <laughs> second Corinthians. Um. And like when he was asked to name a, his favorite Bible verse, he said an eye for an eye and a tooth for a tooth, which like he was just lucky that that actually is from the Bible. He didn't know that, you know, and it's clearly the message that Jesus like explicitly repudiated. So you would think that like evangelicals would not be into that. Um, well, he's an Old Testament president. That's what we're getting. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. He's into the classics. <laughs> Um, but the weird thing that has, that I've noticed that has not been like really discussed in the mainstream discourse is, um, abortion, which I saw so many Christians on Facebook saying like, well, I really don't like Donald Trump and, um, he is not, he doesn't reflect my values, but he promised to overturn Roe versus Wade. So I have to vote for him. And, um. I actually have uh, one side of my family is from Brazil. And so I have actually a lot of Latino immigrant family members who you would think would not vote for Trump since mm -hmm. he wants to deport them all. Uh, but they did vote for him because of abortion, um, because they're very strongly evangelical. So uh, what I am trying, what I want to do is figure out a way to uh completely change christian culture to completely destigmatize abortion in the next 2 years and then i think we'll be fine <laughs> that seems realistic right <laughs> <laughs> midterm elections are going to hit it's going to be all democrat <laughs> free abortions for everyone miniature american flags for everyone else and uh, don't and blame me i voted for kodos then we're good to yeah. go <laughs> Nico, what's your what's your take on it as someone that that doesn't necessarily have this background, but is an observer? And uh, well, what's your yeah, what's your take on it? Oh, I'm just you know I'm scared and concerned. I don't I don't have a super hot take besides being you know worried about the culture wars coming back. And well, they never left. Is I know, the thing. I know, they were just below the surface. Yeah, for me in my in the in my bubble. Um. And so, you know, we get to see it all play out again. People's individual Even worse. <laughs> individual rights, you know, being decided by I don't know. I it's I don't have anything brilliant to say about it, but I am just, you know, sure I'm am scared. Scared <laughs> and concerned, you know. 
So it's in these in these times of trouble, uh, just got to produce entertainment and <laughs> at least you have the Bible to turn to. Out that quality content. Quality content. <laughs> that's right. And at least you have the Bible to turn to in these these tough times. That's right. That's right. <laughs> it's always there for me. Actually, I have found it has been so strange that I've been so comforted by reading the Bible because it takes my mind off of current events. So like it's it's not like I'm getting comfort through feeling like oh you know. God's still there and he's going to take care of all this. But I'm like, oh, I just, I just can think about Jonah for a while. He just <laughs> got swallowed by a whale. It only lasted three days and then his problem was done. Mm-hmm. Isn't that great? I wish I was in his place. Oh, but one day the whale will shoot us out of, uh, out of its blowhole onto the, <laughs> onto the, onto the beach. Just... Metaphorically speaking. Yes, yes. We'll, we'll, we'll leave. One day emerge. Emerge from the belly of the whale, right? <laughs> make it on, make it on the beach like a birth Donald in Trump's reverse presidency. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Got it. yeah. <laughs> well, I want to thank both of you for joining me this today. Um, where can everybody find your show and anywhere else you might be online? Yeah, so um, our show is Sunday School Dropouts. You can find it on iTunes or on pretty much like any other podcast platform. Mm-hmm. Um, we're on Twitter at at Sunday School Drop. And I'm on Twitter personally as Lauren E. O'Neill. O'Neill spelled O-N-E-A-L like Shaquille spells it. And I'm not on Twitter. Nico's not on Twitter, <laughs> but we are starting a bullying campaign to get him on Twitter. <laughs> so if our podcast gets 100 iTunes reviews, we will force him unwillingly onto Twitter. Mm-hmm. Force me to enjoy my media. Yeah. So... <laughs> Uh, and then, yeah, we're on, you know, like Facebook, if you search for Sunday School Dropouts, whatever. And I think that's, that's our, uh, that's all our shit. Eloquent as always. Great. Well, thank you. Thank you both for, for joining me today. I appreciate it. Thank, thank you for you having so us. Thank you so much for having us. <laughs>